tell our stories in a lounge or something, and we could like say, hey, can I get you some coffee, tea, something to eat? No, okay, let's sit down, and we chat. But it's, I just want you to be able to see them. So when you talk, share your story with them as well. Um, can you just tell us your name so people know who you are uh, when you share? Do you mind? Hey, everyone. Happy Easter. Uh, my name is uh, Dixon. Hi, Anna and everyone else. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Rebecca. Hi, Becca. Yes, you, call, you can call me Beck, Rebecca, Becca, and anything I will answer. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Emily. Um, <laughs> that was my husband at the back. Uh, <laughs> just call me Em. Yeah. All right, wonderful, guys. Um, be honest, you can put the verse brokenheartedness, any of those things, you've experienced heavy burdenness and heaviness. So, so you know what Jesus is talking about, or Jesus knows what you're experiencing. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. A yoke is what they used to put on the animals, as, uh, what, what they would use to till the ground, so those, those wooden things that they strap around their necks. Jesus is talking to people in that age. He'd never say that today because no one would have a clue what he's talking about. But he's saying, uh, let me lead you. T take my leadership on you. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. If you could get to know Jesus, the very essence of him, if you could cut him open and get to the very heart of Jesus, what is he like? He's humble and he's gentle. Do you know people that are humble and gentle? They're lovely people. Jesus says, at my very heart, if you could get to my core, you'd find that I'm humble and I'm gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls with me. My yoke is easy to bear. My leadership of you is easy to bear. What I call you to is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. He's using a contrast. There's no burden at all. He's merely saying, in contrast to what you carry by yourself in life, when you follow me, it's way easier. Come with me. I want to do you good is what Jesus is trying to say. All right, so as we, go to, as we go to these stories, I just want you to remember the wonderful invitation Jesus gives to all of us. So, Dixon, will you tell us uh, where, where in the world did you come into this world? Where did your life begin? And tell us something about uh, what life was like for you growing up, what your family was like. Yeah, sure. Um, I came to this world in Kenya. Uh, that's where I was born and raised, uh, for those of you who can't tell. <laughs> yeah, I'm not from around here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I grew up in Kenya, uh, Nairobi, the capital. Dad was a Is that like officer. a Kenyan flex? Nairobi, well, the it's capital? It's like where everyone knows. If you, if you say Nairobi, everyone knows where that is, uh, I would assume. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, my dad was a police officer, my mom a teacher, 
uh, Christian home. I grew up um, the second born of five children, so a big family. Uh, yeah, what it looks like growing up was uh, I went to boarding school at a very young age, and uh, during school holidays, like around the time like now, during Easter, I'll probably be staying with my grandparents in the countryside, uh, chasing lions. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I would be looking after the farm, milking cows, uh, chasing after the chicken. <laughs> I would try not to get attached to them because they'll probably be dinner. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. It was a lot of like the morals I learned from my grandparents and my, ch my, my parents. Uh, that's what it looks like growing up. Yeah, just hard work in the farm. <laughs> awesome, Rebecca. I was born in Taiwan and my dad was in army. So we, I'm the, the second of three girls. So we grew up in a military village, and which I love, and because it's a very tight, close community, that you can go any family for dinner, and uh, but also means that everyone that the the grow up can give you discipline, and if they think that you were naughty, <laughs> so and in that kind of like environment, it feels like you have to work hard and to be recognized and uh, to be good and to fight and be strong and to work hard for everything you want. And if you don't have hard-working attitude, you fail. So because I'm the second, second one, so I always say that I have the second child syndrome. And I always feel like I'm the one being neglected because yeah, I'm not the first one, I'm not the cute youngest one. And so always like try the very hard like in school or or even like a social life, try to, to compete with the other kids and to stand out. So it's like uh, yeah, think back it's quite like uh, silly, but it's like a life skill for us and to grow up in that kind of village. Yeah. Did you grow up in a Christian home? No, I'm the only white sheep in my family. Yeah. The only white sheep home. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm that, trying to. That's a Christian joke. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to bleach them. <laughs> All right. Uh, this isn't being recorded, is it? <laughs> Certain things need to be deleted. <laughs> Just kidding, Emily. Um, so I have, uh, I was born in Australia, um, raised in Perth, there's not many people I think that are born and raised in Perth these days and stay here till 30, so <laughs> here I am. Um, I have a very small family, uh, just my brother, my mum and my dad. Uh, my parents are both only children, so I don't have any aunties, uncles or cousins, <laughs> which is really strange. My, my dad has an adopted brother but by blood, I don't have any cousins. So it was a very small family and we never really had any family gatherings or anything. Um, my parents divorced, so now I've got two families. Um, but yeah, so my parents are from England. My grandparents all lived in England when they were alive. So 
didn't get to see my grandparents. Um, everybody's atheist or agnostic <laughs> um, at best, so uh, except my grandma, when my one grandma was Presbyterian, um, but I didn't get to see her so because she was in England. So yeah, li growing up was um, around Easter, we just ate chocolate. That's it, didn't know anything about Jesus. <laughs> it's quite sad, really. Um, but yeah, we just used to, this time of the year or in summer, we'd be at the beach. Um, yeah, just hanging out with friends, school friends and family friends. Um, yeah, that's what I did with you, you grew up telling everyone that you were American Indian, right? Yes. <laughs> you, can you explain why? Okay, so... I'm born in Australia, my parents are English, but my dad's West Indies English. And if you know what West Indies is, uh, you know more than I did growing up, because <laughs> I thought West Indies was American Indian. <laughs> I was like, oh, Pocahontas, cool, you know, like, she's good looking. <laughs> I'm Pocahontas. No. <laughs> oh, and, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and my brother, he thought the West Indies was west of India. And so he was telling everyone he's Indian. <laughs> my brother and I, we got to about 18, 19, he was about 21, 22. And my dad said, West Indies is the Caribbean. And I was like, oh, true. I had no idea. So yeah, Trinidad and Barbados is my family's heritage. That's why I got big curly, frizzy hair, dark skin, moly skin. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. You, you have also confirmed something because I, I, we have four children in the Australian school system, and we are greatly concerned about what they learn about geography <laughs> in the school. Like, what country is Sydney in, Mum? <laughs> yeah. And you, you kind of graduated through the. Australian school system, and you've, yeah. you learned where the West Indies were at 18, 19, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, geography wasn't a part of the curriculum at all. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have to do it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right, um, Dixon, how did you become a follower of Jesus? Uh, maybe your paths, yeah, anyway, all three of you tell us how you became followers of Jesus. Yeah, um, mine was a shock because... I grew up in a Christian home, so if you asked me if I was a Christian, I would say yes. So, went to Sunday school, never missed church. Um, then, during my last year of high school, I remember a preacher came in and he was preaching, and I felt convicted, and he asked, who, who here wants to be a Christian? And I raised my hand, and I remember giving my life to Jesus at that time. And uh, it was, it was kind of like a shock because I thought that I was a Christian, but I just hadn't made, I hadn't made that decision for myself. Uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't had a relationship with Jesus until that point. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was interesting because everything I knew, I had all the like, knowledge about the Bible stories, um, and the Bible and the literature, it, it all came to me in like a new, new light, and it just, yeah, just no words to explain, but just, yeah, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a revelation, sure. Yeah, the Bible talks about those, those people who walked with Jesus, right, and then 
he gets raised from the dead and he, it still says he opened their eyes to see him in a new way. And it's like they had that same thing, like, I've, I've heard of him, but now, now I know him in my heart. I, I see who he is. That's what, so there wasn't a day in your life that you didn't know about Jesus and the goodness of Jesus? Yeah, not at all. Like, I, I, if I had all the right answers, uh, you know, before having that relationship with Jesus, if you, if you asked me, I would have said, yes, I do love Jesus. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm in a Christian home. I go to church every day. Uh, every day? Every Sunday. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it just goes to show you that you, you could, anyone could have, the knowledge and the the, the the literature to of the Bible and not have a personal relationship with with Jesus. Yeah, so that's yeah. wonderful, Dixon. Yeah, I was I think I was eighteen. It was my last year of high school. So yeah. Wow, I, l- I love what you're saying because many of us did grow up in Christian homes, and those who didn't go, you had such an advantage. Like that's so wonderful, you know. It is wonderful. But you might also think that you have a relationship just with Jesus just because he's so familiar to you, because of the language in the home and the example of your parents. Um, I love what you're saying and the humility of that. That's really great. What about you, Beck? I started going to church after I married to my wonderful husband, Warren. Um, we went to City Edge Church, and in the beginning, I just felt like it. A be awkward, and these people are, are lovely. They're lovely people. They kind. They're friendly. They chat with you, and uh, they share everything with you. But they're just like funny. And when they worship, their hands in the air and shouting, clapping. And I was like standing there. What are they doing? And yeah, just feel awkward. And then English is my second language. So for those like salvation, restoration, and it's just like, like, don't know what kind of words. And I, I just couldn't understand the meaning of it. I, I had a dictionary with me and checking what's that translated. And, and just no, couldn't connect. But Every week when I went, I, I just felt like, because as I said, I was the only white ship. And then, so those like, uh, the, the preaching was just like new for me. And I never heard before. And no one told me before that it's a free gift. I just need to open my heart, receive it, and uh, he would take the burden away from me. And I don't have to fight for everything. I don't need to rely on my own strength to do everything my own. And uh, because he has done everything for me, I just need to say thank you. Uh, so it's like every week is getting like my, my, my the, the loads like on my back is like lighter and lighter. But I still feel like it'd be unsure because every time when Warren introduced me to like new people, the first question they would ask me just, are you a question? I was like, um, 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 <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I go to church, but I'm not sure if I am a question. Until one day my question mama, Sandy, 
She just asked me that, did you believe Jesus was born for you? I said, yes. And did you believe that he died for you on the cross? Yes, I believe. Did you believe he rose again in the third day? Yes, I believe. Do, did you believe he's alive again? Still, yes, I believe. Yes, you are a Christian. <laughs> then I was, thank you, Lo. I'm a Christian. <laughs> then, then, so I was baptized in that, that not long after that, you know, and just like, yeah, in December 2009, and I was pregnant with Caleb. And so, just funny enough, like during worship, I just felt like I would like to lift up my hands in the air and to say, thank you, Father, and please give me a hug. And so I did, and apparently Rhonda was behind me and said, yes, Lord. Yeah, that's it. So you're now one of those weird Christians who make yes. people awkward. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Are you a Christian? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Beck. What about you, Em? That's really cute. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I grew up not knowing Jesus at all. Um, didn't even know. I knew of a church. Didn't really know what the building was. Um, I went to a Catholic high school down the road, Newman. Um, it was good education, so my mum sent me there. Um, and on the first day, uh, we got sent to the chapel. And I was like, hmm, I don't know what this is, but okay, off we go. So we went to the chapel, and they started singing uh, hymns. And I was like, ooh, I don't know what anyone's talking about at all. <laughs> and there wasn't words like this. You couldn't just, you know, read it and try sing it. Anyway. So, yeah, I got to the end of the sermon and I was like, what did I just listen to? Anyway, for five years, I was at school and it's compulsory to do religious studies at that school. Um, so I was learning more and more about Catholicism and I loved it. I just thought, okay, there's this guy called God. There's this guy called Jesus um, and he sounds like a good guy. Why would you not want to follow him. Anyway, so I started praying and I was praying for things like, oh, I really want this boy to like me. God, like, let this boy like me. <laughs> sorry, Carl, sorry. <laughs> he never did, he never did. Anyway, <laughs> don't worry. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, so God didn't answer that prayer and I thought, why? Why would he not? Um, anyway, <laughs> at the end of the five years, I had a better understanding. Um, God doesn't just give us those types of things. Um, yeah, and I just thought, I just, I was drawn to, I was just drawn, and it's an unexpected, it's an unexplainable thing for me. I just, against all odds, my whole family, strictly atheists, really. Um, yeah, I was just drawn. So, anyway, after school, I went to live in Rottnest. If you work in Rottnest, genuinely, genuinely you live there. It's much easier to get to work every day. Um, yeah, so I went and worked at Red Rooster and Subway and there was a Catholic church there and um, so I went to the Catholic church and uh, the priest, Father O'Shea, he's a very nice man, um, he took me under his wing and taught me so much. Um, the first sermon, proper sermon I went there, uh, I was so overcome with emotions and um, 
I didn't know what I was doing. You know, you walk into a Catholic church, you've got to put, you know, the holy water on your forehead in the shape of a cross and, um, you know, yeah, you stand up to pray and same as here. And, but, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. I went to confession. I thought, oh, I'll just go to confession. And why not? <laughs> Can't hurt. Um, and I was just overcome, overwhelmed with emotions. I just started crying. And in my household, you don't cry. You, you know, it's a very hard English family, you know. You know, crying, boys don't cry. Girls might shed a tear, but not really. You know, after a minute, you stop. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I was just crying. And, you know, and Father O'Shea, he said, uh, I'll have, can you say five Our Fathers, ten Hail Marys? I said, what's that? <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, um, I just confessed to never knowing Jesus and that to me was the burden, I suppose. That's what I was feeling. I, I knew I was meant to have a relationship with Jesus. I just didn't know how. And um, anyway, I walked out of the church that day and I was just forgiven. I just knew. I felt a weight lifted off my shoulders and I knew that was the life for me. After that, I knew I had to study more. I had to read God's word. I had to learn. I had to have a relationship with Jesus. I knew. But I was cleansed, yeah, for everything. I just felt it, yeah. That makes sense. Those are really wonderful stories. Um, sometimes I want to ask you about your experiences that have been challenged or where, you're, where, where you've experienced challenges in your faith and how that strengthened your faith. Sometimes when people share faith with others, they, they want to cover Jesus. They want to, they want to be Jesus' PR agent, and they don't want to let you know that Jesus lets difficult things into your life. Let's hide that in case people... And so we, we hear things like, uh, come to Jesus. He makes everything better. Or come to Jesus, because once you walk with Jesus, your whole life will be well. And the, not only does the Bible not say that, and Jesus never says that. Uh, in other words, he's like, come to me, let me, let me lead you, come follow me, and, and my leadership will be good for your life. But his leadership is sometimes hard. Or in other words, he doesn't always give us what we want. So we don't get saved by the genie in the bottle. We get saved by the real Lord and Savior uh, who knows better than us. And anyone who's a parent knows sometimes what your children want. It wouldn't be wise or good to give it to them. Uh, so, will you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced in your faith, and how did that end up strengthening your faith in Jesus? Yeah, a uh, challenge that I've experienced, that uh, I've had in my walk with Jesus is... I don't know how many of you here have been international students or know international students and the challenges that come along with that. So uh, it's, it just involves maybe finances um, and uh, homesickness, uh, isolation, uh, and a little hard work. Uh, so just a bit of context, I grew up very sheltered. So for me, coming to Australia six years ago to study was the first time that I, it was my first time on a plane, my first time outside of my country. So it was, it was, uh, it was quite an experience. So it was, uh, uh, it was, it was kind of like being thrown at the deep end. Uh, so, which was good. Like I, I asked for it. <laughs> so 
Yeah, during that time, uh, I remember just struggling, uh, doing multiple jobs, just so I could pay the tuition fees for uni. Um, and uh, so that was a challenge. And how I overcame that or how I saw God in work in me at, at that time was uh, joining, this, joining KC. So being part of this family, being part of this community, uh, Josh and Anna and everyone else, uh, just being there and supporting me uh, in all aspects of my life, that, that gave me strength. And uh, that's when I saw Jesus in, in that situation. So yeah, uh, I graduated. Um, when you landed, you didn't have a place to stay? Is that yes. right? Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, funny story actually. Uh, it was unwise of me to come <laughs> to Australia uh, to board a plane without knowing where I was going to stay. <laughs> so there I was at Perth Airport uh, with my backpack and my suitcases. And uh, yeah, I, I, just, I didn't know what I was, I had no idea. I just thought I was going to get here and in my head, I had this idea that the uni was going to come pick me up in a bus and, and, and take me to a hostel somewhere. Uh, yeah, uh, I was just expecting to see someone holding a placard with my name on it at the airport. That didn't happen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, after spending a few hours at the airport, I, I, I called, I had a contact. Somebody gave me a number to someone who's in Australia. I was like, oh yeah, if you if ever... Uh, need help, ring this number. So I called her and she was like, oh. I prayed first. And then she, was, she told me, uh, there's this app called Gumtree. <laughs> so uh, just sign up and see if there's anyone looking for, if there's any accommodations available. So I did. And uh, the first thing that came up was this couple uh, from Korea and they were Christians. And they agreed for me to come live with them uh, without a visit or anything. So I, I, I ended up staying with them for two years. Uh, yeah, it was yeah, very unwise <laughs> of me to do that, but also uh, a miracle that God uh, pointed me in the right direction to, to them. Yeah. That's great, Dixon. I left, it must be an African thing. When I moved, when I left Africa, to move to America, I also got on the plane and landed at LAX. Someone, a friend came to pick me up and said, where are you staying? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> that is so true. There was about maybe three people from Kenya in my class that did exactly the same thing. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely an African thing. <laughs> definitely. It was a Friday and uni began on a Monday. So. <laughs> Beck, what about yourself? Well, uh, for me, um, I had three miscarriages, and uh, one after Caleb, and two after my second child, Elisha. And uh, it was really kind of painful, because for our age, it's not easy. <laughs> and especially for the third one, that was just like uh, heartbroken, because the Bob had heartbeat and just suddenly stopped. And also by the time um, Caleb was 
doing his diagnosis for autism. And so like life is just chaotic, it's a very upside down. And to dealing with the emotion and dealing with like two active boys and plus like back forth for all the assessment and filling paperwork. So I was just exhausted and I just start doubting, <laughs> doubting that God didn't hear my prayer and uh, he didn't hear that I prayed for a healthy baby and uh, he all because I prayed for a girl and because it wasn't a girl so he took it away and I just like really like in a very bad like condition and doubting everything and very sensitive yeah just not not great and so what also in that kind of just kind of like would like to hide away and just doing my own thing like before and start stop like asking God to for help and what I would try to get excuse not to go to church. I would tell Warren, oh, we, we were late. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, it's, it took too long and the kids had to sleep. Something like this. So we end up to go to church less and less. And that, that period of time was like quite stressful for not just me, also for my family especially for Warren. But he's like very supportive. He's just like kept telling me that uh, no, it's not you. And God would never do that to you because you prayed for a girl then he took it away. And that's just the, the something like a task in your life and he gave you that you need to overcome and to knowing that uh, there's a big picture behind it for you. He has a big plan for you. And about, I was just really like, like just disappointed. And I knew that Warren always, Warren told me before that he always had like a picture. God promised him to have three children. Then I said to him, no, I give up, no more, choose enough and I'm not going to try again. And if you're happy, took the third one back home and I would just take it as my own. I'm happy with that. Then Warren's kind of like, okay, maybe he had to give up the, the promise God gave him. But meanwhile that uh, I really grateful that God still loves, loved me. He never gave up me. And he used every people around me to show me his love. And they gave me prayer, they gave me support, they gave me message and everything they could give me. And then after a year of that, and we just believe that God used Caleb to give us a message. There's going to have another baby. And... Warren and I, we had a talk, and we said, okay, 
Yeah. It's clear. It's from him. And let's do it. Then that time is the best pregnancy I ever had. And everything just went in place and everything was just good. Then after as I was born, I look back that I just feel that God used the time to strengthen me, to have compassion for women in difficult for pregnancy and also have the compassion for parents with kids in special need. And we know that how difficult for the journey from the beginning to get diagnosis and then deal with maybe another, another child meanwhile. And I just felt like I really appreciated that he, he never stopped loving me even when I turned away from him. Um, so, while I was on my journey of learning about Jesus, I, I uh, started, you know, the early 20s uh, partying phase, I suppose. Um, no, it wasn't good because, I was, uh, <laughs> you know, I was, I'll keep this G-rated because it's kids, but, you know, there's alcohol and there was other things involved and, <laughs> and uh, you know, there was uh, like lust in my life. Uh, yeah, my life sort of was going downhill, even though I was learning a lot about Jesus and um, I was growing in faith, but I was also being tempted and giving in to those temptations and life was spiraling downhill. And um, I think because of this, uh, my health just declined. I got diagnosed with general anxiety disorder and panic disorder. And um, that's something that I don't think actually ever leaves your body. I think you can learn to manage it. I don't think it ever leaves. So I was having really bad panic attacks. Uh, yeah, I couldn't really work. <laughs> I stopped working at Boost Juice. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so my anxiety just took over my body. I felt it was crippling. It was debilitating. And um, the doctor told me, oh, you, you need to just stop all stimulants. Uh, you need to stop drinking, like, even coffee. Uh, no alcohol, no coffee, nothing else. Um, and so I did. I stopped all the partying life, I suppose. I put that on hold, started doing exercise, um, and my anxiety was going away. But at the same time, my uh, dedication to church life was also growing. So I found that as I was getting closer to Jesus and the more I was learning about Jesus at that time, the more my anxiety was going away. Um, initially, I thought my anxiety was a punishment from God. Um, I thought, you know oh, I've, I've started these really bad habits, I'm partying, I'm doing all these things. Um, God is punishing me for that. Um, and I think I realise now that he let me have anxiety so that I can turn away from my bad habits by force 
because if it was voluntary, I probably would have just kept the partying life and just gone downhill to like the snake pit. So yeah, um, I think God let me have this anxiety to stop me, my life from going downhill so that I could uh, dedicate myself to him. And so I was like, oh, he's not punishing me. He's actually letting me suffer so that I can live for his glory. Uh, yeah, and um, yeah, so actually he's done a really good thing in my life by giving me anxiety. And it won't go away. So for the rest of my life, I won't turn back to partying. So <laughs> nice. Good one, God. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah, so that, that's um, the biggest thing in my life, I think. That's, I have to trust in God. Family parties and church parties are awesome. They're very G-rated as well, so it's good. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have to keep trusting in God that um, he's going to take care of me and I don't need to be anxious. I don't need to, you know, I can be reassured and guided by him and I don't need to worry. Whatever happens, happens on this earth. I know that I'm saved. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's great. I know a lot of um, times people, when they're thinking about God or they're curious about God, one of the things that they struggle with is, why does a good and loving God allow suffering in this world? And I think your story is illustrative of the fact that our suffering in, in some ways rem shows us or helps us recognize that we are not, we are not okay by ourselves. Uh, we, are, we as humans can't be the solution to our problems uh, that life is bigger than us, and if everything was always only going well, there would be nothing that would ever make us aware of God. Um, and so I love how you said it, not that God causes any suffering for anyone, but that in our suffering, God comes through for us, and that He makes Himself aware to us. And someone else kind of flipped the question on, well, it's not so much how does a good God allow suffering, because in suffering He shows that He's good and loving, so He's there for us, He leans in. But how does a righteous and just God allow us to be alive? <laughs> um, and it's because He's good and loving that, you know, Easter, he's, he's come and rescued us. So thank you for sharing that. Um, if we had everyone who's a Christian share of a time where they've experienced suffering in their, in their walk with Jesus or challenges... Every single story would end exactly the same, so a thousand different ways, but it would end the same, that through this, I learned I can trust God, I can depend on God, I can rely on God, whatever version, it would always end that way, because in all the challenges, that's what we learn about God, is that He wants to walk with us, He wants us to know we can depend on Him, He doesn't want us to be loners in this life, um, which is just fantastic, and your three stories have alluded to that as well. So thank you very much for sharing. I'm going to skip one question just for the sake of time and just ask you a final question, maybe if you could just briefly answer um, this. Looking forward, um, walking with God, looking, walking with Jesus, looking forward, uh, what do you personally kind of have to surrender to Him? Uh, as Westerners, you know, we want to, we're told to be uh, live our best lives, do what's right for us, kind of be independent, our independent selves. But as Christians, we believe that we are followers of Jesus, we're part of His kingdom, 
His, his, we're going to live eternally with Him one day, and we follow His leadership. Um, and so we surrender our wills to God. So what does it look like for you to look forward and surrender your will to God? Good question. Um, I'm looking forward to serving God in Africa. So, do you have somewhere to stay? <laughs> um, yes, I do. <laughs> so, my wife Ruth and I, uh, even before we met, uh, so she's served in Africa as a as a midwife for many years. And uh, for myself, when the idea was to study uni and go back and work in Africa. So I feel like I've overstayed my welcome in Australia. Uh, but yeah, so we, we know that in our hearts we are called to serve in Africa, but we're not really sure where. So that's something we're still praying on. Um, I'm biased for Kenya, because <laughs> that's my home. But uh, yeah, it's just what, what that looks like, we have no idea. So we're, we're, we're pretty much putting our trust in, in God and uh, waiting for an answer. Uh, and uh, yeah, just what, what it looks like to pretty much give up a Western life. Uh, something that a lot of people would prefer to stay in. And uh, it's, it's, yeah, every time when, when I tell people that I intend to go back, they go, why? Why, 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 why do you want to go back? But, um, yeah, it's, I just can't explain it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so sacrificing uh, comfort and uh, infrastructure, good coffee. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just to stay with people and somewhere where Ruth can uh, give her skills as a midwife to a lot of mothers and uh, that would need that uh, in 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 Kenya or Africa, <laughs> I should say. Um, and and yeah, what that looks like for myself in in serving as well, uh, and at what capacity. Uh, I would do that in. So, yeah. For me um, and for my family, we, we believe that God called us to King's Cross and he's going to use us to serve King's Cross. So we... <laughs> we like your idea too, Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we just would like to get involved, like in church, and also I just trust God that I surrender that, knowing that my children, not just my children, also His children, and He loves them more than me do, and so I need to hold them loosely, and give them guidance and disciple them follow his way, and, but let God do his work through them. And it's not me in control, it's him in control. And just need to trust him and trust my children. And uh, they need to build relationship with him. And maybe through me, 
but they need to have direct, direct relationship with their Heavenly Father, and they can count on Him, not just parents. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I feel like my life is really content, my heart's peaceful for knowing that He's in control, and not just for me, and also for my children. And it's just like Psalm 23. And with him, I have no fear. And he's my comfort. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, this is a simple one. Uh, I think just being a good mother in the future, I just want to be, you know, raise Lily the best I can um, and raise a Christian. I hope she has uh, a strong relationship with Jesus, you know, uh, yeah, being a good mother, but also at the same time being a good wife. I think remembering to be a wife as well as a mum is hard. <laughs> I'm already learning that's quite hard. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm trusting that God's going to uh, show me how, how, how to tackle 10 different things at one time and not go crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you to, to answer this question in one sentence. You don't know the question. Uh, the question is this. To anyone who wasn't walking with Jesus, what would, you, what would you say to them about walking with Jesus? Or what would you want them to know about walking with Jesus in one sentence? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good move, Emily. <laughs> I'd say it's not as hard as you think. Great. <laughs> I would say just trust him. It's never like be disappointed. And uh, more, it's more than one sentence, sorry. <laughs> That's right, your English second language. <laughs> That's, that's called a run-on sentence. <laughs> it's okay. He will never disappoint you. Just trust him. Yeah. Right back. Yeah. Um, it might seem like ha uh, following Jesus takes your life away, but um, Jesus actually gives you life. Right. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you, you three. Appreciate it. Um, why don't you all stand with me? You guys can stand. I'm going to pray and then hand over to Jib. Just stand with me. Uh, if you're comfortable with it, close your eyes. If you're a parent, you might want to keep one open. If you are walking with Jesus, then today is a day to celebrate and remember maybe things that you've become familiar with. They can fill your hearts again with joy. Maybe listening to these stories, you realize your story is quite similar in many ways, and God's goodness to you has been demonstrated in unique and powerful ways. Maybe that causes your heart joy and celebration. If you aren't walking with Jesus, if you aren't following Jesus, then maybe today's an encouragement to, do, to you. It's not as hard as you think. Jesus doesn't disappoint us. We can trust Him. He is good. Maybe you can hear his invitation today 
to come to come to me he says he doesn't say come to the church come to the institution he says come to me come right to me i want to have a relationship with you <laughs> 